Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. Here's what I've learned in the past two and a half years of being a dad, all right? Um, Parenting is not super complicated, but you have to master the skill of bribing and threatening. All right, there's, a, there's the bribing side of things and then there's the, the threatening side of things. So I bribe you with this promise and if you don't take that and follow through with it, you get punished, kind of disciplined, right? Um, this played out really well um, on Monday. On Monday, Sadie uh, comes to preschool here at second. She gets out at 2.30. Lucy picks her up um, and she, Lucy called me. Hey, she's having a meltdown, right? She won't like get in the car. She won't let me buckle her, my pregnant belly. I can't bend down. Like you need to come do something. I said, put her on speaker phone, right? I don't know what I was going to do. I kind of was winging it. And so on speakerphone, hey, say, say, it's dad. What's going on? She's freaking out. The world's melting. And I say the key word. Y'all ready? I say this, this, this key phrase. Sadie, you want a popsicle? Silence, right? Like, yeah, I want a popsicle, dada. Like, Lucy, put her in the car seat. And so like, I'm talking to her. I felt like a terrorist negotiation kind of situation, right? But I'm bribing with ice cream. Sadie's listening. She's in the car seat. We're good to go. Um, and I know it worked because when I got home, she had purple like all over her face, all right? So it worked on Monday. It didn't work on Tuesday, but that's parenting, right? So it's the, the promise, like the bribe of a promise, um, but also the consequence in, of discipline. And, and so what we look at, as I, and I was studying, we look at Amos uh, chapter 5, God's kind of doing the same thing to them. He, all throughout the Old Testament, he promises good things to his people who love him and obey him and follow after him. But then he also tells them, there's going to be consequence if you don't seek after me. If you do seek me, you'll live. But if you don't, man, you're going to face the consequences of that. And so what I want you to do is turn to Amos chapter 5, Give you a little context, three, four, and five, they're all kind of written um, as like a poem, kind of a hymnal um, type way. And and these are messages to the leaders of Israel. And and Israel had this great calling on their lives, right? God chose them to be his people and he would be their God. But what we learned from Spider-Man, right? How many Spider-Man fans in the room, right? Great power comes with what? Great responsibility, a great calling comes with having to make great choices. And depending on that choice, it's going to come with great consequences, whether for the good or for the bad. And so what we're going to see is Amos, he's calling these leaders out for a couple of reasons. One of them being, man, they just weren't actually pursuing the Lord as they said that they were doing. And what we're going to see, we're not the nation of Israel, but what we're going to learn from them is, man, the consequence today is the same. That if we choose not to follow God, man, we're going to face that consequence. But God still promises to them what he promises today. If you choose to seek him, you will live. And so let's pray and we're gonna jump into Amos chapter five. Y'all pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we're thankful for the joy that we have in you, the life that we have in you. Um, God, that you're always with us. I pray for this moment right now um, that we would focus in on your word, that you would make it easy for us to understand, but also, Lord, you give us um, the, the courage to live out what you're calling us to do, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters in the faith, um, the Christians that are here this morning, Lord, that this would encourage them, God, that they would um, refocus their life on you today and that we would all leave focused on the mission, focused on seeking you. 
But God, I also pray for my friends who are not believers, that they don't know who you are. They've never surrendered their life. God, I pray that today would be the day that they encounter you, God. I pray that you move in a powerful way. In your son's name we pray, everybody said. Amen. Hey, go ahead and look at chapter 5, verse 4, all the way down to 6. It says this, For the Lord says to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel or go to Gilgal or journey to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into exile and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will spread like fire throughout the house of Joseph. It will consume everything with no one at Bethel to extinguish it. So right away, we see this call, this command to seek the Lord. And what's awesome about this call and, and this command is that it's followed with the promise that you will live. So regardless of where you stand in faith, every single human being, we have this desire to seek after something greater, right? All of us, if we were really to evaluate our heart, evaluate our life, we are all seeking something. We want something bigger, something better. We want um, the next big thing or the next pay raise, or we want to live in the next location or in that kind of house or with that kind of car, or we're seeking that relationship with, with that kind of man or with that kind of woman. We're all seeking something, and it was true for them, and it's true for us today, that if we're not careful, we can seek after things that promises to deliver whatever it is we think we want, but fail us because we can only find true life in Jesus Christ. So we can literally pursue and seek after things that can never deliver what they're actually offering. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Right here, Amos says, seek the Lord. I think a lot of times we search for the person or the place or the thing, hoping that when I get that, it will bless me or it will make me a better person or whatever it may be. Amos tells them, don't go chasing other things, right? Look at verse five one more time. He says this, don't seek Bethel or Gilgal or Bathsheba. These locations people would travel to because they were super significant in the Bible. These locations were places where God had an encounter with his people, where they, they, they would go and, and to worship, but to remember what God has done in the past, but also worship him right then and there. They would travel, walk miles to these locations to, to worship to, to be with other believers. But what God, was, what God is saying and what we're gonna see throughout this whole time, even though they were going out of their way, going to the place seeking, God says, you really aren't seeking me and your worship is something that I don't accept. And here's why. Let's look at the next couple of verses. We're gonna skip down to verse 21 through 27. He says this, this is pretty aggressive. He says, I hate, I despise your feast." I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them and I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings or fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Look at verse 25. House of Israel. Was it sacrifices and grain offerings that you presented to me during the 40 years in the wilderness? But now you have taken up Sekirth, your king, and Kawan, your star god. In other words, now you used to worship me, you used to bring me your offerings, you used to seek after me. Now you're following false gods. Now you're following whatever the culture is following, and you've kind of forgotten about me. He says, you've, you've made images for yourself. 
So now I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. The Lord God of armies is his name. He has spoken. The, the problem that they were facing, the problem that at hand was God knew as they showed up to these temples, as they showed up to these locations to worship, to see God, he knew where their hearts were. He knew that they weren't actually seeking God. They were kind of going through the motion of religion. They were actually going there and worshiping false gods. There was gods of sex, gods of uh, weather, of war, of money. They would go there and worship these false gods, but being religious, saying, oh, I'm, I'm a person of God, and, and I actually love God. God is telling them, I don't accept that. You, you worship me with your mouth and yet you're pursuing anything but me. And so I want us to keep reading. Go back up to verse 10 and we'll get a little bit of context of what's happening. God says this, after they go and travel to all these places and worship, he says this as um, they come back, they hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate and they despise the one who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you've trampled on the poor and exact, uh, exact uh, grain tax from him, you will never live in the houses of cut stone you have built. You will never drink the wine from the lush vineyards you have planted. Verse 12, for I know your crimes are many and your sins are innumerable. They oppress the righteous, take a bribe, and devour the poor of justice at the city gates. All these people were, were, were traveling miles and miles to these really cool religious places, these temples. They would get there and they would, they would do the thing, right? They would participate. They would sing the songs. They would shake the hands. They would do all of the things, but they would come home worse off than where they started. They would come home worse off than what they started as, as they started as. They'd come back more evil and further away from God. And so what this shows us is that it doesn't matter the songs that you sing or, or the style of song that you like. It doesn't matter how many verses you, you can kind of come to mind. It doesn't matter the religious practices you do. Those things cannot change the character flaws that we have because of our sinful nature. Religion can't fix us. This coming to church is not just going to magically make us a better person. You just trying to be a good country boy and a good country girl is not what makes you in right standing with God. The only way to truly have a transformation take place from your heart inside out is through the power of God in your surrender and repentance. It's not about the location. It's not about the place or the thing or the person. It's about your heart surrendering in repentance to God and seeking after him daily. If you're with me, say I'm with you. In other words, you can be the most faithful churchgoer. Show up every week, do all of the things, but refuse to lay down your false idols. Refuse to deal with your sin. Refuse to be in real community where you confess your sin and your struggles to your brothers and sisters and ask for help. Refuse to, to be in true community. Refuse to, to take um, um, your, your word seriously and your prayer seriously. Refuse to lay down your own desires and your own will and surrender to whatever Jesus has for your life. You can be the most faithful church goer and refuse to do those things. Refuse to make God your main pursuit. And what Amos is telling them is what's true for us. If you do that, there's a consequence that follows. 
the consequence of following and pursuing sin, the Bible tells us, always leads to death. It always leads to death. It always leads to death. And I, I've seen this um, played out time and time again. So I'm from, most of you know, um, I'm not from Arkansas, if you can't tell, all right? I'm from the West Coast, I'm from California. I grew up Southern Baptist, right? That's awesome. Um, but there's some, some church Southern lingo that I didn't even know until I moved to East Texas for college, right? And one of those things is I never heard the phrase church hopper. Y'all know what a church hopper is, right? Um, some of you are like, yeah, I know some church hoppers. Others of you are like, I'm hopping right now, dude. Like, what's up? right? Um, but we have the tail, so don't hop too far, right? Um, I, I didn't know, like, that, that just wasn't a word. If, if you were going to church in California, it was a miracle, right? Like, let alone hopping. But, like, when I, as I learned this word, and as I was reading this, this is what came to my mind. Like, this is describing a church hopper. Now, disclaimer, some of you are hopping because you didn't agree with, or um, with your church, or, or maybe they weren't on mission, like, you wanted to be on mission, so you found yourself here. Like, we're glad you're here. I'm not talking about that kind of church hop. This is the kind of church hop, I think, that Amos is calling out and that what I see and what God is not pleased with, right? It's the, the kind of church hopper that they, they, they pick up their Bible and, and they go down church row, um, Dave Ward, right? Like church row, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like they kind of go and then they pick one, they show up and, and they do all the things. They learn their songs and their lingo and, and they peel that church sticker off, put that church sticker on and, and like swapping jerseys, like a new t-shirt kind of thing. And, 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 they, and they go through the motions, right? They, they get into a group um, and, and they, they learn the culture, but man, they're not real right? Like earlier, like they don't confess sin. They don't repent. They're not taking life seriously. They're not taking Jesus seriously. They get plugged in and, and they show up. They sing the songs. They know the words. They clap. They shake hands. They smile and they wave. They don't deal with their, their own business between them and the Lord. They don't, especially not in community. And then they leave going, you know what? As long as I'm in church, me and God are good. And what we just read, God's saying, I don't accept that. Like you worship me with your mouth, but your heart is not for me. Your heart is not to pursuing me. I'm the last thing that you're trying to pursue. I don't accept your worship. It's, it's this whole idea of, of like, man, I'm just gonna go to um, um, Bethel, or I'm gonna go to Gilgal or Bathsheba and leave those places unrepented, unwilling to deal with, uh, with things and, and expecting God to bless us. Listen to me, if, if that's what your version of Christianity is, you're missing out on so much of God who loves you and wants to reveal himself to you. And if you're just pursuing like this, this, this sin or this idolatry, whatever it is, like you're just not taking God seriously, man, God is not going to bless that. God will never bless sin. He won't. You are missing out on Jesus and more of him and learning and growing in community. How God intended you to grow. Like, hear me, we, we have to fight this urge to what I call um, off-brand Christianity. All right, off-brand Christianity. Y'all, how many of you grew up uh, drinking like Coca-Cola, uh, Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, anybody? Raise your hand for me. How many of you were on the off-brand, like Mount Shasta stuff? You know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up a Shasta kid, right? Like, you gotta, like, get on your knees under the shelf and find Shasta Cola and, like, Misty Shasta. Like, what the heck is Misty Shasta, right? It's the stuff that we drank. It was only, like, 20 cents cheaper, um, but that's what we were on, right? We were on the Shasta stuff. It was off-brand. And you can tell it was off-brand, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, dude, what? <laughs> it's off-brand. Um, there is this off-brand type of Christianity that, that is very dangerous 
that we have to be aware of. Offering Christianity looks like just showing up to church and whatever attitude that you have towards Jesus, you haven't spoke to him in prayer all week, haven't opened your Bible all week, not taking sin seriously, not in community, sing the song, say amen, and then leave expecting to feel better than what you came in with. No, that's off brand. That is not the kind of life that God intends for you to live, nor the one that he accepts. Unless we are willing to truly seek God, truly pursue him, we will never experience that true transformation, that spiritual growth, that community like God promises he wants to give us. And the only way to start living that out is by seeking God, is through repenting and seeking God. And and so what is it that we need to be repenting of? I want to show you um, verse 14 and 15 real quick. Verse 14 says this. He tells them, pursue good and not evil so that you may live in the Lord, the God of armies, will be with you, key phrase right here, as you have claimed. Christians, we have to repent of claiming one thing but letting our lives look completely different. We, we can't claim, like they were, what they were doing is they were claiming, hey, we're God's people. God is our God, we're his people, he's blessed us, we're a nation for God, but we see that how they treated everyone around them, specifically the poor, man, they were oppressive, they were cold, they were, they were literally evil, God said, I know your evil deeds. So as they claim that they were people of God, man, their lives look completely opposite. That is what we must repent of. If we're not careful, we can become people who claim to follow Jesus, but never actually take a step after him. And there's no such thing, like it doesn't make sense to be called a follower who doesn't actually follow. Like that, that makes no sense at all. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Like I don't care what Bible verse you have in your Instagram bio, right? Or a picture you post, or like what, what like front you put on, God knows your heart. He knows your true pursuit. He knows what you're really after. And we must repent of that. Look at verse 15, he, he goes on to say, hate evil and love good. Establish justice in the city gate. And perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. He says, pursue good and not evil. Y'all, that's, this is like a, a picture of repentance, right? The, and if you grew up in the church, as someone who um, like describes repentance, they usually say something like, you're walking one way, you repent, that means you turn away, and now you're walking this way, right? We, we've heard that definition. I love that definition. I love that picture. But I would go a little bit more aggressive because I think we're such in a dangerous time in Christianity where off-brand is becoming the normal, And so repentance has to now look like not just turning directions, but I am ending this pursuit of chasing whatever that is that's not Jesus, ending that and then refocusing, dedicating my life to pursuing Jesus in community, with the church family, being serious, taking sin seriously, reading my Bible, praying, living it out. And listen to me, like this is not a legalistic call. This is a call of reality. You have to live in repentance. Why? Because we get things wrong. We mess up. We are prone to go to look at Beersheba and see what they're offering. You know what I'm saying? 
We're prone to look at life and go, man, I just don't feel it right now, so what else can I do to improve myself? We're prone to do this. And so like, it's not a legalistic where, man, like you suck. It's a, hey, I suck and I need to repent of that. And I need my family, my church family, to help make me focus back onto Jesus. I'm not just turning away, man, I'm ending that. I'm ending it. I'm not going to pursue those things. I want more of God because he promises. And by the way, his track record is good. He keeps his promise. Unlike mine, sometimes Sadie doesn't get the popsicle. You know what I'm saying? With God, he promises that whatever it is right here that you're stuck in, the moment you turn back to him, you're met with life. You're met with grace. You're met with mercy. One of my favorite promises we have in scripture is if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. So we have to walk in this repentance. And I love this phrase in verse 15, perhaps the Lord of God, perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. In other words, like we, we know because of our, our King series, right? And Josh has been preaching on us. Like Israel's about to get smacked, right? It's no, there's no like hiding it. Like they, are, they have chosen, they want to seek out um, false gods. They want to seek their sin. They're not choosing God. And, and here in a little bit, we're going to see in our series, like they are going to get smacked by their consequences. And that doesn't make God evil. Matter of fact, God is gracious enough to go, listen, if you want to choose to live life on your own terms, be your own little God, do your own little thing, go for it and see how that feels because I promise you, it's not gonna end up good for you. God, God graciously gives us that. Like if you want to do that, go for it, but it's not going to end up well. However, when you choose me, you will live. This promise that he makes is so good. And, and we, can go, we can give testimony after testimony after testimony. In this room, I'm just looking at the college students that I know, some of the adults that I know. We have, I mean, we have testimony after testimony of how much better Jesus is compared to the things in this world. Amen? I mean, can you look in your life and see the times that you sought after and pursued things, whether it be success or that, that pay raise or that better house or that, or that relationship, got it and went, that's not what I thought it was going to be. I have never once did that with Jesus. And it hasn't been easy, but it's always been good. It's always been good. He promises, if you seek me, you will live. Even if everyone around you is choosing evil, choosing idols, if you choose me, God says, you will live. Um, I want to end with this and just kind of give you one big idea, all right? If you get anything from me today, I want you just to hear this one big thing, all right? The promise of life from God is way better than anything this world can offer you. So seek him and live. Seek him and live. The world can literally gather the very best thing that it can give, extend that to you, and that thing still pales into comparison to the life that Jesus gives you. I promise you this. Um... I want to speak to uh, just to the believers in here, right? If you're a brother and sister in the faith in here, like, I'm so glad you're here. If you're not a believer in here, if you're, if you're kind of seeking out faith, I'm also glad you're here and we love you too, but if you're a Christian here, I just want to speak to you directly for a moment. Can I do that? 
I'm going to do it anyways. I didn't need your permission. <laughs> but, but brother and sister in the faith, let me ask you, what are you actually pursuing? What is it right now? Not, not what are you claiming, but brother and sister, what are you pursuing? What is your heart set on? What is that one thing that you think, like, man, if I just get that and you're just working and you're striving for it, if I get that, everything else will be better. Brother and sister, listen to me. We need to take note from the nation of Israel that that thing that you're pursuing, that you desire, outside of Jesus, listen to me, it is going to fail you. It is going to fail you. You can get all the pay raise you want. It's not going to be enough. You can get the, to the new location in the new house. It's not going to satisfy you. You can get the grade and the degree and the job, all this stuff, and it's not going to bring you true purpose. You can get that relationship, that guy or that girl, whatever it may be, and they will let you down. Believers, what are you actually pursuing? Believers, what mission are you actually on? Are you leveraging everything that God has blessed you with? Your talents, your abilities, the things you own, are you leveraging everything that you have for your mission and what you're trying to accomplish? Or are you using and leveraging those things for God's glories and for the benefit of other people? Believers, are you going through the motion of, of off-brand Christianity where you come in and God's trying to deal with you in, in, in that sin or that idol in your life and you feel it, but you decide and you refuse, I'm not going to dig into that. I'm just going to do the thing. I'm just going to sing the songs. I'm just going to show up and, and I'm not going to be real. I'm just going to do the things. If that's you, believers, listen, you are missing out on more of Jesus. You are missing out. There's so much more to God than just going through the motions. There's so much more to community than just surface level. I mean, that's why we have small groups that are more like little families that you just be a part of and they encourage you and they challenge you. And guess what? You do the same for them. That's why like, listen, if you're, if you're hopping church to church, like stop. Just pick one and just be in it. Selfishly, we want you here in the family, but listen, we just want you in a church. Believers, what are you actually pursuing? Some of you, like, you're killing it in this area. And I know, like, firsthand, some of you, like, you are, I mean, you are motivating to me. I, I promise you, I was on my knees in my home office repenting before I got up here this morning. And I know some of you, like, you are in a good season with Jesus and you're killing it and you're focused and you're bringing people in and, and you're loving and you're serving. Let me ask you, if I, that's you, I praise God for that. Who are you encouraging to seek after God? Who are you encouraging to keep going and to keep moving towards Jesus? Believers, what mission are you on? Who are you pursuing? If you're not a believer, like I said, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. 
right? Like we love you. Like you have a place in the second fam, I promise you. But I wanna ask you the same thing. What are you pursuing and, and what are you hoping to find in this world? Because I promise you, you can search the whole world and outside of Jesus, you're gonna come up empty handed. And right now you're like, man, I, I'm not even seeking Jesus, but brother and sister, listen, Jesus is seeking you. The Bible tells us that he came to seek and to save the lost. He is seeking you. He loves you and he has a plan for your life and it is good. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came not to condemn, not to hate, not to conform us to, 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 to being little robots. He came to give us life and life abundantly. And you are not going to find that abundant life in anything other than Jesus Christ who died on the cross, was buried, rose again to extend that gift. All you have to do is make the choice to accept it, to repent, to put an end to the pursuits of anything outside of Jesus and surrender to him as your Lord and King. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.